growing deep roots. It's the, it's the heart of the first psalm there. And it's the, it's the very first one. It's easy to find. And it starts with, blessed is the person. Hmm. Well, I want to be blessed, don't you? I mean, I th- when I think of what it means to be blessed, I think of, like, being in God's favor, you know, really getting great things from God. Oh, I'm, I'm blessed. Well, the, the, the Hebrew word for that word blessed is esher. And esher means a little bit more than that. It's, grammatically, it's an interjection. It expresses emotion. It brings emotion to the sentence. So what this is really saying, if you dig just a little bit deeper, and I, I, I love doing that, is, uh, oh, how happy is the person who fill in the blank. Oh, how happy. And today, what I want to explore is, are you happy? I mean, really, I mean, think about it a minute. I know our first answer is, oh, yeah, yeah, I'm happy. I'm in church. Are you you content? Are you satisfied? I know everybody wants to be happy, that's for sure. I mean, even in the Declaration of Independence, what does it say? We are endowed by our Creator with certain inalienable rights, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. It's my right here in the United States. I'm endowed with it by my Creator. In the year 2000, 50 books were published on happiness, how to get happy, how to be happy, how should we be happy. A decade later, over 4,000 books were published in 2008 on how to be happy. I think there's something going on here about us wanting to be happy. Maybe we're not happy. You know, the most popular class at Harvard University is on positive psychology, how to be happy. Dennis Holy, he's an author of a book called Are You Happy? And he found that research shows that only about 20% of people are really happy. Six weeks before he died, Elvis Presley was asked by a reporter, you know, Elvis... When you were first starting out, you said you wanted to be rich, you wanted to be famous, and you wanted to be happy. Well, you're rich, you're famous, are you happy? What was his answer? I'm really lonely, was his answer. Hmm. So how do we find happiness? How do we, how do we find contentment? If, if Elvis can't find it, he had everything. You know, and there are a lot of pat answers about that. How, how can I be happy? And people just spout off this stuff. Some people say, well, just count your blessings and then you'll be happy. Don't you love that? Shit it. Some people say, what you need to do is exercise and release endorphins and then you'll be happy. Get it. I like Roseanne Barr's uh, method for happiness. She says, eat chocolate till you pass out in a sugar coma, and when you wake up, you'll feel happy. <laughs> well, chocolate never changed anybody's life, not permanently anyway. But uh, 
Well, there's another pat answer to that, too. People say, how can I be having to say, oh, you need Jesus. You surprised I'm saying that? Well, don't get me wrong. We do need Jesus. But it's more than just a pat answer. It's more than just, you need Jesus. You know, we all do. But that begs the question, do you know un- any unhappy Christians? Well, yeah, I do. So what's the deal? Well, us Christians, we come here and we put our smiles on, don't we? Yeah. Let's put a smile on it. There we go. We come here, we put our smile on. But underneath, are we really happy? Are we content? Well, we can fool people for a couple hours. Be all right. Well, oh, I missed, didn't I? <laughs> there, now I'm happy. You know what they call this mask? You ever seen those, you ever seen the comedy tragedy masks outside of theaters and stuff? Smiley face, frowny face? Well, the ancient Greeks used to wear these instead of putting on makeup. They would put these masks and they would do their shows. It's called a hypocrite. You're pretending, it's when you pretend to be something you're not. Well, I don't want to be one of those either, you know? Well, but as Christians, shouldn't we be like like the happiest people on the whole earth? I think we should. You know, we have eternity. We have the light. We we are supposed to be the light of the world. We have Christ as our Savior and our friend. You know, we should be happy. Even just living in America, oh my goodness, we have so much. So why aren't we? What are we missing? Only 20% of us are happy. Well, maybe we're pursuing the wrong things. Hmm. Sonia Leibniski, she's a professor of psychology at the University of California. She did a study and she discovered getting what you want doesn't necessarily bring happiness. Kathleen McGowan, another psychologist, she wrote an article in Psychology Today that says, you know, pleasure only gets you so far. It's only temporary. You know, and that's not that's not in a sermon, that's just that's just secular science trying to figure this stuff out. And you know what? They're right. You know, it's not about stuff, it's not about pleasure. I gotta say we could have saved them a lot of time and money if they'd have just read Ecclesiastes. I denied myself nothing. My eyes desired. See, this is, this is written by King Solomon, one of the richest men, one of the wisest men of all time. I denied myself no, nothing my eyes desired. I refused my heart no pleasure. My heart took delight in all my work, and this was the reward for all my favor. Yet when I surveyed all that my hands had done and what I had toiled to achieve, everything was meaningless. A chasing after the wind... Nothing was gained under the sun. Wow. The richest, wisest man that ever lived wrote most of the book of Proverbs. 
Does he sound like a happy man to you? This great man, he even built the great temple in Jerusalem. Eventually, he was undone by his quest for happiness. So is there, is there a common thread that runs through the king of rock and roll and King Solomon? Is there something we can kind of glean from that? Well, yeah. Today, what I want to talk about is I want to try to get us on, on the right course, just to adjust our course a little bit. You know, on this journey, we need to check our GPS every once in a while, make sure the destination is set to the right place. And Psalm 1 is, a, is kind of a, a, a GPS of sorts. And what I want to do is I want to pick it apart just a little bit and see if we can come up with some nuggets here for, for happiness. See, David, in, the, uh, in this first psalm, he gives us all the negatives. He gives us everything that we're not supposed to do. And then he gives us the good news, what we're supposed to do. And in the middle of it, he starts talking about what that person is like. And so for clarity... I've got part of verse 1 and verse 3 in here so I could show you what it's supposed to look like. This is the target. This is what we're setting our GPS for. Blessed is the person, or happy is the person, who is like a tree planted beside streams, a tree that produces fruit in season and whose leaves do not wither. And David here is using this agricultural metaphor and you find that really all throughout the whole bible you know and jesus used this a lot he you know he talked about vineyards he talked about orchards he talked about fig trees uh vines and when he talked about that he was usually talking about the growth of a believer and so what helps you grow deep roots oh on that hand what kills roots so today what I want to talk about is spiritual miracle grow and spiritual roundup. What kills the roots? What helps the roots? You know, roundup, what's their, what's their motto? Kills them dead, gets the roots, right? So we kind of want to stay away from spiritual roundup, don't we? We don't want our roots killed. And fertilizer feeds the roots. It allows us to withstand trouble and Grow those roots deep. So let's take a look at all of verse 1. Blessed is the person who does not follow the advice of wicked people, take the path of sinners, or join the company of mockers. And there's a lot here. There seems to be a progression to these spiritual things you're not supposed to do. Take their advice, take their path, or take their side is what those three things mean. Let's take a look at this first one, taking their advice. And I want to look at that word advice. It's the one that's used in Scripture. And the Hebrew word for it, I know I do that a lot. I bring in the Hebrew. But there's just, it's just so rich because their language is, they have a lot more words that have deeper meaning and you translate it and you lose something. So I do that a lot. That, that Hebrew word for advice is etza. And it means more than just giving a piece of advice. It's, it's really talking about a worldview, a system of thinking, a mindset. Take not their ed- mindset. See, the battle here is for your mind, How, the way you think, your mindset, your worldview, because there are two kingdoms. You know, there's the kingdom of God. And Jesus, 
when he preached, he said that over and over. The kingdom of God is like, the kingdom of God is near. Repent. The kingdom of God is near. The kingdom of God is like this. The first time he talked about it was recorded in Matthew 6.33. It reads this, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. And 81 times in the New Testament alone, we find the phrase kingdom of God. It's an important thing. It's what he preached about. And these two kingdoms, the kingdoms of this world and the kingdom of God, they're going to be at war until it's all over, until, it's, until we come to the end of this world. Revelation 11 says this, The kingdoms of this world are become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ, and he shall reign forever and ever. That's how, it, that's how the battle ends. We win, by the way. No one told, sorry for that spoiler, but that's the way it is. You know, until then... We're caught in the crossfire here, you know, between, in this war that we're in. And they're opposites. These two, these two uh, worldviews are in opposition to one another. They're like mirror images. See, in the kingdom of God, you receive by giving away. In the kingdom of God, you lose in order to win. You become great by becoming the servant of all. You decrease so that Jesus can increase. It's just the opposite of what this world is about. They're in opposition to each other. Second Corinthians says this, For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have a divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments in every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive. We take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. The battle is for our thoughts. The battle is for our mind. And the first effect of that spiritual roundup, taking the advice of the wicked, is starting to come into play. When you do that, when you take the advice, and your mind starts to change, you're letting in the spiritual roundup. You start moving away from a Christian worldview. You start developing a secular worldview. And what does a secular worldview say makes you happy? Sasoshi Kanatawa is this self, and I found this in psychology today. He's a self-defined evolutionary psychologist, sort of a really, really secular psychologist, he'd say, I'd say that the best thing for people to do to become happier is to get in touch with their animal nature, if not necessarily their inner fish, then at least their inner ape. Okay. So what do we do with that? I mean, it's... If you think about it for a minute, my, my first thought was a laugh, like you. But then you think about it for a second, and it's... It's actually kind of sad. No hope. No purpose. Just let your inner lust kind of run its course and have its way. You know, we read earlier what Solomon wrote. All this stuff, it's meaningless. It leads to nothing. It doesn't bring happiness. When I was younger... I got the opportunity uh, to meet a guy named Mylon Lefebvre. And anybody know who that is? Okay. 
Mylon Lefebvre, he was, he was uh, raised in a gospel-singing family. And uh, they were a pretty big deal back in the day. And he fell away from God and went off on his own. Musically, he was really gifted. And some of you might know him. He had a group called the Atlanta Rhythm Section. And even before that, he was really successful. He wrote a song for Elvis. He performed with The Who, uh, Billy Joel, uh, Eric Clapton. And in the world's terms, he was very successful. And it all fell apart on him. And later in life, he returned to God and gave, <laughs> gave it all, turned his back you know, on all this secular stuff and became a janitor at his local church. But then he, he decided that he would pick up the, the music mantle again, and he uh, formed a group called Mylon Lefebvre and Broken Heart. And back in the 80s, uh, won a bunch of Dove Awards and Grammys and stuff like that for his gospel music and turned his life around. And I'll, I'll never forget his testimony. And it, it had a, such an impact on me, I never forgot it. He said, you know what? I have no question about what the world has to offer. I've had all of it. There was nothing I couldn't have. And he says, none of that stuff makes you happy. Hmm. Something to think about. You see, sometimes people... Try that world and it doesn't work, so they come back to this world. And some people try to keep a foot in both worlds at the same time. Try to get sort of the best of both. You know, I can still have God, but, you know, I can kind of do what I want to. And James warns about being a double-minded man in the book of James. He's unstable in all he does is what he writes about it. You see, when we buy into this spiritual, secular worldview, I should say, the roundup starts taking its toll, the roots of our faith are being attacked, and happiness starts slipping away. So once your worldview starts to change, and the battle for the mind is being lost, the next step is taking their path. What does that mean? See, as the, round, as the leaves are starting to turn yellow from the roundup, taking the path is behaving as wicked people do. Wicked people in the Old Testament called sinners as well. You see, what you believe, your mindset, your worldview, influences your behavior. What you believe influences your behavior. And then what you do reinforces those beliefs. So it's like a vicious circle. Hmm. Sin always starts in the mind first, and then it sort of births actions. So you, and you act on that. And Paul wrote about this sort of same progression in Romans. He says, For although they knew God, they neither glorified Him as God nor gave thanks to Him. But their thinking, the mind, became futile and their foolish hearts were darkened. Although they claimed to be wise, they became fools. Therefore, God gave them over to the sinful desires of their heart. God says, that's the way you want to go. Okay. See the progression? What they believed translated into what they did. And happiness is getting further and further away. You know, at this point, you know, where your mind is set on the things of this world, you're starting to act like, you know, people in the world that don't believe in God. Oh, Jesus, Jesus might still be your Savior, but He's not your Lord. You know, it's like, Lord... 
I, 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 don't, I don't want to go to hell. You know, you can have all that. Take my sin. Take my garbage dump. Take all this stuff. Take all this bad stuff from me. But, and I thank you and I'm forgiven and I can't wait to get to heaven. But, you know, I, I, I really like it over here too. I want I live for you. Well, you can have all my stuff, but, you know, i got to live my life. And finally, once you're there, that roundup starts making it to the roots. The third one is you take their side. See, now spiritual roundup has got the root, and it's all brown and dead. And the Christian becomes numb to the things of God. Discernment is gone. You start thinking like the, uh, like the wicked. You start acting like them. And then you're one of them. You know, if it looks like a duck and walks like a duck, guess what? It's a duck. It's no coincidence that David calls unbelievers in this, in this verse mockers. See, the final step here is joining the company of mockers. All this in verse 1. You see, mocking... The things of God becomes natural. You're not doing, you're not following God anymore, so what do you do? You make fun of it, you mock it. That's not what I believe anymore. That's one of the reasons people drop out of church. You know? They want to hang around with their friends. They want to be with people who think the way they do. Don't have anything common with Christians. They don't have the same values. The same things don't make them happy. Nothing in common. Let me ask you a question. Who do you hang out with? Now, don't get me wrong. What I'm asking here is when you hang out with people, how do they affect your faith? I'm not saying that we need to be separate from the world. don't have to be separate. If if we were going to do that, we'd have to leave the planet, and that's not going to happen anytime soon. But I am saying we we are to be in this world, but not of it. Philippians chapter 3 says this. Many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their destiny is their destruction. Their God is their stomach and their glory is in their shame. Their mind is set on earthly things. But our citizenship is in heaven. In the world, but not of it. You ever feel like a foreigner sometimes? You know, particularly around people who don't follow Christ or don't know Christ, you're kind of... Feel that little something? Well, if you do, good. You should. You are. You are a foreigner. Your citizenship is in heaven. That's what he's talking about. You see, we are supposed to be the salt and light. What that means, it's our job to be an influence on the world. It's not our job to be influenced. We are supposed to be doing the influencing. We're not supposed to acclimate to our surroundings. We're supposed to be feeling like foreigners. But there are things we can do to nourish our spiritual roots. And that's put, put some fertilizer on it. And you know, How do we stay away from the Roundup and get into the good fertilizer? And Well, the first thing you can do is you can listen to me speak because people say that, you know, that's pretty much fertilizer. You got that, didn't you? Okay. Well, it's been called fertilizer before. Anyway, Psalm 1 gives us the do's, the way we, you know, the, 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 the things that we're supposed to do to be happy. 
to encourage growth and happiness. And in verse 2, oh, how happy is the person who delights in the teachings of the Lord. I like this translation because some translations say delights in the law of the Lord, but that the word for law and teachings really means the whole Bible, as it was back then. It was, it was all of the scripture of God. It means God's entire words, not just the first... Well, back then it was just the first five books of the Bible. It meant the whole Bible. The righteous person is delighted with the word of God. See, if a person delights in something, you don't have to beg them to do it. You know, you can, you can measure a person's love of the word of God by how much they hunger for it. And then the verse continues... Happy is the man who delights in the teaching of the Lord and reflects on his teachings day and night. Well, reflects on his teaching, what are we talking about there, day and night? It means a lot. It means reflecting, taking time with it. You ponder it. I mean, you don't just read it and then forget it. James 1 says this, the man who looks intently into the perfect law, there's that same word again, that gives freedom and continues to do this, not forgetting what he has heard, but doing it, he will be blessed, there's that word again, in what he does. Hmm. He will be blessed. He will be happy and content in what he does. Looks intently into the perfect law. What James is saying here is don't just read it, reflect about it. This is the spiritual miracle grow. Romans 10, 17 says this, faith comes from hearing the message and the message is heard through the word of Christ. See, our faith comes from reading and meditating on the word of God. You know, we hear it, we reflect on it, and our mindset, our worldview is strengthened. Let me give you another scripture, Colossians chapter 2. I know I'm throwing a lot of scriptures at you. So then, just as you receive Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your life in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith, as you were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness. See to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy. Huh. So the word of God, it helps to keep our roots deep. It strengthens our faith. And he even talks about the other worldview there. You know, the hollow and deceptive philosophy. It's the opposite of taking advice from the ungodly. It also keeps us off the path of the sinner. Let's take a look. Psalm 119 says this, I gain understanding from your precepts. It's the word of God. Therefore, I hate every wrong path. Your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. The direction I'm going, the actions that I take is what it's talking about there. There's a parallelism here. And when you read scriptures, a lot of times it'll say the same thing twice in two different ways. It's doing it here. I gain understanding from your precepts and hate the wrong path. Your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light for my path. It's the word that he's talking about here a couple of different ways. See, the path speaks of a way, a road, a direction that we're supposed to follow. And, you know, some of us, we need to change the path around a little bit. You know, and that's really not easy. 
It can be really difficult sometimes. Take a look at Matthew 17. Enter through the narrow gate. For wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction. Many enter it through it. What he's, what he's saying here, you know what? Take the path of this world. Well, that's easy. Anybody can do that. And sometimes following God isn't so easy. It's the narrow path. It's the one that's hard to get to. And I, you know, I, you know, I have to admit myself. We're saving up for a car that we're going to buy uh, in a year. And, you know, like we were taught uh, last fall, I'm actually making car payments to myself right now so that a year from now I've got a really great uh, start on a new car. And I, I did something I shouldn't have done. You know, some people confess to their friends. I just usually come on up here every once in a while and tell you all everything that's going wrong with me, and I feel better about it. So here we go. Um, uh, I did I did something I shouldn't have done. I started looking at cars and Auto Trader and online and seeing what I could afford a year from now, and I came across this really awesome car. Just right there. I'm like, oh, man, what a car. Now, that was a car that I could afford. And then I contacted the guy about it. And it was really just a honey of a car. Uh, just, just, just unbelievable. So you could, you could see what was happening. There were a couple of, there was a battle going on in my mind, this battle for my mind. Well, luckily, my worldview, my faith, it kicked in and I turned off that path and we're going to save for a whole year and go after it. So I turned off that path. You know, normally, I would have bought the car. Call it my worldview. Call it faith. Paul called it a renewed mind. Romans chapter 12 says this. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good and perfect will. Renewing of your mind talks about scriptures, practice, meditating, doing the things of God. So I was able to test and, uh, test and approve what God's will is, and it was hard. It was the narrow path. I wanted the car. Okay, so instead of joining the company of mockers, I joined the company of worshipers. You all. You see, look around. This is the company we keep. This is where we're supposed to draw our strength from, from the people that are in this room, our Christian friends. And the result, Psalm 1, verse 3. He is like a tree planted beside streams. And once again, there's a lot more there than just reads off the page. You you get a little deeper. And it's talking about strong roots. See the Hebrew word for streams there? It's What it's really talking about there are, are these irrigation channels that a gardener would dig in his garden, right? And it was a really common method of irrigation in the ancient Near East. You know, so you could grow a really healthy, thriving olive tree in the middle of a desert wasteland. So... What I want to tell you is this soil 
where you're planted, I mean, it's been worked. The channels have been dug. Another thing is that this tree isn't there by accident. It's not like, well, isn't that interesting? Uh, A seed must have blown there and grown up and luck and circumstances had it that it was able to grow up strong. No, that spot was chosen. And this scripture is talking about believers. See, that tree has been planted. It's there on purpose. God is the gardener and you are the tree. Your life, it's not random. It's not accident. It's on purpose. There's a plan. There's a plan for you to grow. Your place has been prepared. In John chapter 7, when Jesus was at the Feast of Tabernacles in Jerusalem, he said this about water. On the last and greatest day of the feast, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, If anyone is thirsty, let me come to him and drink. Let him come to me and drink. So not only has the soil been prepared, you're planted on purpose, and he is the water. It all fits. I need to ask you, did any of what I said today hit home a little bit? You feel that just a little bit, just a little, just a little tingle? You know? Are you thirsty? Are you dissatisfied? Are you not as happy as you think you should be? Is there something inside you that's kind of telling you things just aren't right the way they're supposed to be? Well, let's look at those three things. Check your mindset. Renew your mind through the scriptures. And check your path, the path that you're on. Don't just read the Bible. Do what it says. Meditate on it. And then check your allegiance, you know, taking their side. Be the salt and the light to the people around you. That's the way to happiness. The band's going to come out in a minute, and I want them to minister to you to a really good song that we found that talks about this a little bit. A little, little time for refre- reflection, a little time to change your course, check the GPS. Would you pray with me for just a minute? Lord, you know what I mean when I say check the GPS here. Father, we need you to guide us, to check the path that we're on. Come, Lord, and be our GPS, our spiritual guide. Father, we need to get into your word. We need to bless you. We need to honor you. Father, we ask that you would come into our lives now. Lord, we ask for your blessing. In Christ's name, amen.